do this look like work to you? Nah. Looking at the life like it's all that is This is the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. That is a lot of bananas and a lot of bananas for kids. I'm excited for today's episode. So when you give up 41 points, everybody's getting toasted. And Anthony Rinaldi. Avid drunk league softball player. I was kind of a pitcher back in my little league days. Shout out Yankees. They're not going to lose a game the whole entire year. Now it's time for the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into the Double A Balls Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Romanell, and always sitting beside me, the man that was a pitcher back in Little League, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing good, and it's going to be a good show. As usual, episode 11 of the Double A Balls Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Social media blitz. Double A Balls on both, and visit the website, DAABpodcast.com. Get your apparel. Thanks to our sponsor, PowerArmPerformance.com. Ant's got his sweatshirt on right now. He's looking really, really good. Go get the apparel, wake up with us, coffee mugs, the whole nine. Exciting show today, and NCAA basketball's on fire. The NBA coming to the playoff time, and MLB baseball season gets started soon. Cinderella is 98 years young, wearing maroon and gold Nikes. Let's go, Ramblers, Andrew. Tell me you are not pumped for this Final Four showdown. Loyola, Chicago versus some squad out there in Ann Arbor, the Michigan Wolverines. Let's go, Michigan. Let's go. Listen, I'm excited for two reasons. One, I love NCAA basketball. I love the Final Four. But two, because I might be a little bit different than most people in America right now. My bracket is, and I'm putting quotes up here, not busted because I chose Michigan and Kansas in both of the brackets that I picked to be in the finals. I chose Michigan to win in one, and I chose Kansas to win the other. So I'm still alive. You got no shot. I'm excited. Ramblers. I can't tell you how excited I am for the way I picked that bracket, but more important business to get to, which is the game and the players on the court. Loyola has been a fun story. This 11 seed, uh, they before their win in the Elite Eight, had won three games by four points, and they were a really, really good basketball team. It's a different type of 11 seed. Uh, program 55 years ago had won the national title, which was a huge win back in that day. But present day, that team and and Sister Jean, your girl, are riding a wave right now into the Final Four. Let me let me do some quick math there. 55 years ago, Sister Jean was probably cruising around 43. If, if you think she's killing it now at 98, you know she was running around 43. Probably over there at the, the nunnery school, wherever that's called, the convent, I believe. Same pair of Nikes? Perhaps. I think she's upgraded. But you gotta you gotta give a little a little love to the Missouri Valley conference. You know, give back, me some love. back back in the day. It was just a few schools to mention, Wichita State, the Shockers, Creighton. You know, those kind of schools always carried this, the Missouri Valley Conference. But now you had a new school on top, and that's the Cinderella Loyola Chicago team. And they just, they just win, Andrew. doesn't matter. Like you said, four points, three games. That's, like, that's, I think it's unheard of. Probably set a record. And they joined the Missouri Valley Conference I believe it was in 2013. So they're a newer school to that conference only five years. And 
The crazy thing is when you look at this Loyola Chicago team, you look at the run to the Final Four and wonder how the team kind of got here. Was it just a lot of luck on their side? They made a few big shots. But over the course of the year, this Loyola Chicago team has had a really good percentage beyond the arc. And inside the arc, I found this interesting, 60% inside the arc on the season this year. And you look at that and say, this is why this team has found a way to win because they they were a top 20 defense in the 2017-2018 regular season. They shot 60% from inside the arc and 40% from three. Shout out Loyola Chicago. Let's go. I'm rooting hard for them for the mere fact that they're actually the, lo- they have the, the longest winning streak heading into the Final Four. 14 games. One, one better than your Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, they got a 13-game going in. But isn't that crazy? Two teams, and that's the definition of this tournament, Anthony, is two teams that have to come in on fire. I was listening to Jay Wright's interview this morning. And he was talking about how early on in the season, Villanova, and we'll get to that game in a second, but it's, it's, it's important for this point, that early on in the season, Villanova was making a high percentage of buckets. And he kept telling his team, listen, we can't win like this all the time. We're not going to be able to score all the time. And they kept looking at him going, coach, we keep scoring and we keep winning by scoring a lot of buckets. Well, eventually it, it died down. And he spoke about two games, Seton Hall and Providence, where they couldn't make buckets and they had to grind out wins with rebounds and defense and making foul shots late in the game. That's what this is right now. Getting hot late in the season rides you through the NCAA tournament. That is how you make a run like Loyola's made now. That's how you make a run like Michigan. I mean, Michigan lost at one point 14 games ago to Nebraska by 20 points. Where is Nebraska in this tournament? Golfing. They got left out. Golfing. So you can lose bad games through the course of the year, but both of these teams, and quite frankly the other two teams, hit their stride at the right time. And that's the key in this tournament. Let me tell you, all... Four teams we have in the final four right now won their conference title game. Uh, that's interesting. And I think that's so huge. Not to jump to baseball, just because I'm so excited for it, but in the midst of our season right now at the college level, we're 15 and 7, we're 3 and 1 in conference. And last year, our team made a run to the College World Series, won the, the East region, and went to the College World Series and finished third. However, didn't win our conference tournament that year. Now, They went on a run. They won, I think it was like 28 or 31 to finish the season. Something along those lines to get to the regional and go to the College World Series. But they were bouncing the conference tournament in two games. And to me, it is so important to go and perform in the conference tournament heading into NCAA play. You obviously, A, don't ever want to end your season prior to the playoffs on a loss. You always want to end the season, as I just mentioned before, going in on a good streak. The team's playing well. They're hitting their stride. That's how you want to go into the NCAA tournament. That is playing in your conference tournament. If you can go out and win a championship before you go compete for a championship, think about how important that is for your team. All four of these teams went out, and quite frankly, Loyola Chicago 
out of all of them, needed to win their conference tournament because there's no at-large bid coming from the Missouri Valley Conference. So that's one. You knew Kansas was in. They won their regular season. You knew Michigan was in. But I think by Michigan winning their conference tournament, they turn into a three seed instead of maybe a, a four, five, or possibly six seed, which changes your track in this tournament. And Villanova, quite frankly, might have still been a one seed. But by going out and winning the Big East, they solidify themselves a one seed. And now they've made a run for the second straight second year and three to the final four obviously all eyes will be on the Villanova Kansas game that was a great that's a great matchup obviously some true number one schools you saw the good matchup with Kansas and Duke probably the best game of the tournament that overtime game man that was an unbelievable game to watch and Grayson Allen that shot listen how, I think it. I think it counted. I think I was watching Sports Center. They counted it. It hit the rim five times and then didn't go in. That is where guys like Christian Leitner in their Duke careers had Jay Williams solidified themselves as like the greatest Dukies of all time because they made those shots to then pull their team to the next round of that tournament. And I think that's where Grayson Allen loses me. Throw the kicking stuff aside. Just talk about his straight-up basketball play. That's where he loses me. I think he was something like 2 of 9 from beyond the arc in that game or Ugly. something like that. He shot like 20% Ugly. from beyond 3. Listen, could man. Could played for the Purple and, Squad. And he did. Well, he could probably still play for the Purple Squad. 20% is high volume on our team. Nonetheless, you got to go define with that shot. It doesn't matter what happened the rest of the game. At the end of the day, with a tie ball game from about the foul line, you had the opportunity to hit a pretty open jump shot and win the game for your team, and you didn't. And listen, he's a 22-year-old kid. We've all failed a lot in different aspects of our life, especially in sports. I know that one for a fact. But either way, that to me is where I lose Grayson Allen. You know, he's one of those polarizing figures on social media for all his nonsense on the court uh, with the tripping and all this kicking and all this other nonsense he pulls. And you saw the, you saw all the all the all the karma comments coming out as soon as he missed those jump shots. People were almost like glad, which is kind of a different topic. People got their own issues. Uh, but yeah, because that's a college kid, regardless of how you feel about his basketball. But that's what I'm saying. Throw the kicking stuff aside. It's not for me to judge his character. He made a bad decision during the game during competition. I don't know the kid from a barn door. I, who is Grayson Allen besides a kid that I've seen play NCAA basketball for Duke University? So who am I to judge his character? But to your point, that's where Twitter scares me a little bit. I, I want to put a little blame on Coach K. Okay, why? Because I think down the stretch there, I don't know if it was play call, I don't know if it was matchups, but they said they seem to go away from their, their number one ticket. After that interesting charge block call on, on Wendell Carter that got him booted, they went away from Bagley. I mean, Marvin Bagley's your meal ticket at that point. You know, because Kansas goes to almost a four-guard set there, and Kansas goes small. you gotta, you got to give Bill, Bill Self probably single-handedly, uh, a lot of people say, best coaching performance this year in 2018. This is the best version of Bill Self, which is kind of scary when you look at the run that Kansas has had the past decade because they're a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid squad. But Coach K, I mean, Marvin Bagley, I mean, he's got to be – if he's your so-called top 10 lottery pick next year in the NBA, which you know, a lot of pundits believe he is, how do you not feature him in, in that, towards the end of that game? 
I know Grayson Allison. Uh, Grayson Allison. What kind of name is that? Grayson Allison. That's how he played. He oh. Had, oh, wow. That's a big there. Andrew, that was a good one. Even the coach pulls one out. You got to, I mean, you got to give the big man the ball. But, I mean, I'm going to go back to Loyola Chicago, Michigan real quick because I believe, obviously, all eyes will be on the other game. But I think this is going to be a high, oct- high octane, high up, you know, offensive game. I know Michigan kind of lets you play, kind of is, is good on the boards. So, you know, you're not going to get many opportunities. But I think Loyola Chicago, with those shooters, they got a dude by the name Ben Richardson. Watch out for him. I mean, he's taking Splash Brother type threes. And your boy, Kloster. Uh, but here's my problem with Michigan. It's the only thing that scares me is they have been an inconsistent offense. Their defense has been great. For example, versus Texas A&M, 60% from three. And you know and I know, you know, you got to be able to hit threes consistently throughout the course of a game to win in basketball now, especially in this NCAA tournament. Because everything I've been watching and reading and hearing, these four teams can play small and have very good guard play. All four of these teams have very good guard play. And even though Loyola Chicago is an 11 and people really maybe don't believe Michigan should be there, and maybe even Kansas for that matter, at the end of the day, all four of these teams straight out, I think, have a 25% chance to win this tournament. Because the two ones are going up against each other, so no matter what, one of them has to be bounced. So that automatically gives a notch up to Michigan and Loyola. Loyola's an 11 seed, but Michigan's a 3 seed that... Against FSU, shot 18% from beyond the arc. No good. 60 to 18. So they're an inconsistent team. So you're saying to yourself, Loyola Chicago has got your got Mrs. 98-year-old Cinderella on their on their side, plus they're playing great basketball, two great defenses. I think it's going the opposite way, Ant. I see a defensive matchup because both teams, to me, haven't scored consistently in the tournament to go out here and have an offensive day to win one of these games. I got a little nugget about – the wonderful Big Ten Conference that my wonderful alma mater, shout out, Penn State. We are. Penn State. Big Ten is looking for a, a first, their first title since the, since the year Y2K. That's unbelievable. I believe I was a sophomore in high school back at Y2K. So, I mean, it's been a long time since the Big Ten's been repping the Hardwood Championship. But I can't root for Michigan. I, that's bum-ass school. That's, a, that's against your core values. And plus, if you got them in your bracket, I want, I want to see you. I always want to see you fail. No offense, but I want to see you fall flat on your face. Yeah! Because I have, I have Kansas in it, but I have some school from North Carolina winning it, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know what happened there. go Wolverines. Clap, 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 clap. And let's go Jayhawks. Let's flip the script, okay? I know you like Villanova in this game, and I like Kansas. We'll get to that later. Teaser, what do you got? But Villanova is putting up a lot of points. They're scoring a lot of points. Is Kansas good enough to put up the high-volume numbers that Villanova has put up throughout their run to this NCAA Final Four? This, I mean, this game is going to be everything it's cracked up to be. A lot of people are going to say, oh, this should be the championship game, blah, blah, blah. But this is why they seed it so interestingly. This is what you hope for. You get the one versus the one. And like you said earlier about Jay Wright, you know, he in his interview he gave a lot of credit to that to that Seton Hall victory, that one point victory that they barely scooted away with. Because he said, he goes, We shot horribly. Which kind of is a backhanded compliment to Seton Hall there. Because if you're, if the other team doesn't score very much and you still lose, what does that, what does that say about you? But, Every Seton Hall basketball team ever. But he talked about that and how that mental fortitude of that one-point victory, knowing 
that they can go into a game, beat a team single-handedly on defense, on running the fast break. But Kansas, if you watch that Kansas-Duke game a little closely, because Duke runs that, that interesting 3-2 kind of zone offense, uh, zone defense that they kind of took from uh, Syracuse and Jimmy Boeheim. And you saw Kansas and their, and their, their mentality of, of, of cutting and driving and, and ditching off and finding the shooters on the three. And Kansas can shoot the ball well. Newman, Graham, those dudes can shoot it. Your boy Malik Newman. Love him. How many points did he score? All 13, I think, in OT. Against Duke? Yeah, was that 18? I believe. I believe. 13? He scored 32 in the game right. against Duke. I have, all, I have all 13 here to seal it. And in the last seven games. All-American Malik Newman. Last seven games. And probably going to be a first-round draft pick this year. Bench. Playing. Bill Self benched him earlier in the year because he wasn't showing up. I love it. That's why Bill Self consistently wins games because he's teaching young men the right way. To finish the Malik Newman point, in the last seven games, six times he's been the leading scorer. In those games, he's shooting 55% from beyond the arc right now. That is the slam dunk to your shooter point for this Jayhawks team because they can knock them down. But Here's my point before about Villanova. And I'm making your point right now. I don't know why, but make because it, I'm it. looking at the numbers before and I'm saying to myself, they play Radford. Okay, Radford. Either way, they play Radford. They score 87. Great total. They play Alabama. They score 81. And, oh, by the way, hold them to 58. So they do both on both sides. Against West Virginia, which was considered one of the best defenses in the country and one of the best presses in the country, they put up 90. You then, love Bob Higgins' coach. I do. I do. And Huggins. Probably, yeah, Huggins. He's, he's, Bob Huggins is probably a, a pretty good time after the fact. After the game, excuse me. And then against Texas Tech, which also considered one of the better defenses in the country, they put up 71, but again, only hold Texas Tech to 59. What I see in that script is, A, they have the ability to score a lot of points. They have Mikhail Bridges, who's probably going to be a lottery pick this year in the draft. He's averaging 18 in this tournament. He's shooting 45% from beyond the arc. They've been here before. They won the national championship two years ago on a buzzer beater against UNC, which we've all seen a million times. That's how great of a play it was. They have six players. This was the most interesting thing I found from Villanova. They have at least six players on their roster averaged 39% or more from beyond the arc. That is a ridiculous percentage. Shoot the three, make the three. That's kind of what you saw back. You, you see it all. NBA's doing it. Everyone wants to shoot the three. All the big men shoot the three. College, everyone's shooting three. That, I mean, that's the forgotten mid-range game is gone. But you got to see, I mean, Jay Wright has run a, a class act of a program for the last decade over there at Villanova as well. Now, there's a handful of coaches. and You, you saw them. I mean, you have Krzyzewski, Bayheim, Self, Jay Wright, all these coaches. Brad, Brad, Brad Stevens, and he jumped over, joined the NBA ranks. But there's two guys on Villanova. Villanova could win you a national title and have the player of the year. And, Jay, and Jalen Brunson, that dude can ball. He's got that old school flavor. He looks like Mark Jackson to me. Remember Mark Jackson? Well, you're a little young, Andrew. Okay. But, I, but I've seen highlights. It's highlights. I've seen you highlights. highlights. YouTube. YouTube Mark Jackson. That back down. Yes, like classic. Back down that lefty. <laughs> future coach of the shout out my bum ass squad, New York Knicks. But when you watch Jalen Brunson, it's not the sweetest shot, 
but he can make a three. He'll back you down, and he's one of the better passing point guards and floor generals on the court there. So you got to watch out for him and Omari Spellman. Those are my two picks for Villanova. you got to watch those two because they're going to do some damage to some team named Kansas Jayhawks. Isn't Brunson up for the Wooden Award this year? Isn't he a high contender for the Wooden Award this year? I believe he is. Which is the award for the best college basketball player in the country and to back up Ant's point, 19.2 points per game this year, nearly five assists a game, shooting 53% from the field, 41% from beyond the arc, and which is a really impressive stat. And this goes for Villanova up and down the board. Is Brunson to finish the point shoot eighty one percent from the free throw line, which is tops on the team, top three on the team. As a as a whole, Villanova shooting seventy eight percent from the free throw line, and I think there is an advantage in this tournament because they can make free throws late in games when they need to seal games. Exactly, defense and free throws. I feel like every every coach every every everyone says that's that's the key to a game, you know. Let's say, and you look at Kentucky. Kentucky lost that game. I forgot who they played against. Was it was it against Kansas State maybe recently, where it was like a three point game, but down the stretch, Kentucky just turned the ball over and missed every every three throw opportunity. And there was some interesting coaching. Not to kind of go on a tangent, but I know Andrew likes tangents. But what happened in that that Michigan game versus the Elite Eight? Who they play? I forgot who they played. Michigan was up four. 11 seconds to go, and, like, the other team just quit. They weren't... Florida State. Florida State. Like, no fa- like what happened there? Even, if, they, even if, if you foul and they make two free throws, a six, you bang a three, it's only a two-possession game. I listened to Florida State's head coach talk after the game, and he said, and he was pretty upset, he said, listen, we lost that game not in the last 15 seconds. We lost that game throughout with our play. I don't know if that was a statement to his players. I don't know if he legitimately just said to himself, it doesn't even matter if we foul. We're probably not going to go down and make these shots anyways. Let's just end this game down by four or whatever it is and go into the locker room. But when the reporters asked him after, he got a little frustrated and he kept saying, we lost this game not in the last 15 seconds. We lost this game throughout. Yeah, I agree. It just it didn't look right. I, mean, I agree because in that scenario, there's no tomorrow. So – I'm fouling until I legitimately am down like four possessions with one second on the clock. I don't care what the final score looks like. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is I've seen miracles on TV before. I've seen crazier stuff happen in 15 seconds than guys making two threes and Michigan missing two free throws to allow it to happen or whatever the case is. I've seen crazier, and those kids have worked their butts off all year. See, if I'm them, I would have just fouled on my own. Who cares? Go foul. Oh, coach, I didn't hear you on the sidelines. And then who cares? Get the ball and go. You never know. Yeah, someone needs to step up there. That's, I guess, spur of the moment. Maybe the, the, the nerves got to you, but someone needs to foul there. There's one little hidden gem that we, we failed to mention, but I, I, I want to bring it up. And it's, it's a D3 kid. Won his 2014 D3 National Championship back in 2014. Still had... Redshirt eligibility. That's Duncan Robinson out of Michigan. Do you see what that boy's putting up? It's crazy. That boy can play. That's crazy. And you don't hear you don't hear or see that ever. A lot, a lot of interesting nuggets in this Loyola Chicago From that Mid- level Michigan. To that level? One year eligibility. Screw it. I'm gonna go play D1 ball. And and I'm gonna do it. 
And how, I'm gonna, Andrew, how old are you? Go, you have one year left in the 27. LGBT? No, unfortunately. I think I'm 32. I think I got plenty of years knowledge. Well, if I go get my graduate's degree, I can go sit on the sidelines of a basketball team. There you go. I'll be the best cheerleader. I'll work hard in practice, too. I'll bring the intensity up. I'll lead the squad. I don't need to play a minute. It don't matter to me. I don't need to play a minute. I'll go be a cheerleader, and I'll get the gear. And before we move forward, we're just letting you know that this NCAA update was brought to you by Frankie Franchise Construction. Frankie Franchise Construction would also like you to know that the Loyola-Chicago Michigan game is at 6.09 on Saturday, March 31st, and the Kansas versus Villanova game is at 8.49 on Saturday, March 31st. And when you need to know who to get your doors, windows, kitchen, bath, a renovation, an addition, someone that's reliable, hardworking, that's Frankie Franchise Construction. Email him at frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com or call him at 973-789-6236. Franchise Construction is located in Hawthorne, New Jersey and is one of the best in additions, renovations, and remodeling. They can do it for you. They do it also. Call or email Frankie Franchise Construction at frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. Or 973-789-6236. And while you're on the internet, slide on over to DAABpodcast.com. Pick up your apparel. Subscribe to the podcast. You can find your link for iTunes. You can find your link for Anchor. You can find your link for Podbean. You can get the link to PowerOnPerformance.com to get your DAAB podcast apparel you can get it all head on over to the website andrew do you realize mlb starts soon nba playoff hunt we just talked all about that march madness craziness but i really want to get into the nba you love the professionals i love the professionals love the hardwood that's my passion seven teams already locked up playoff berths out of a possible 16 a little less than half right quick math Five out of the East, because we knew the East is a mess. Right. I mean, there's basically six, seven, eight. They're fighting. There's three teams that are fighting for six, seven, eight. Basically, you're going to get a first-round exit. It's really just, hey, let's get another two games at home for the owner. Make a little more moolah. Right. Toronto and Boston lock up the one and two. Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Indy all lock up three, four, and five. In the West, we know Houston and some team formerly known as the Golden State Warriors. Lock up the two seed. Formerly known as correct. Hurt. They they need injured. They need some players off the scrap heap. Well, KD's about to come back. He's doubtful though. He's doubtful. I think tonight or their next game, but he, which is Thursday. He should come back by the first round. Yes, I would send everybody to the first round. And the thought is, with KD out, Clay Thompson probably out, and Steph Curry out for the first round. There's enough talent on that roster. That you could possibly beat whoever your first-round opponent is. But, and this is what I wanted to say to you, because you brought them up last week. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz are fighting for that 7-8 and eight spot right now. And the Jazz are a half game out of the 8 spot. If the Minnesota Timberwolves was a good team, they had a bad loss against Memphis last night. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the Jazz fight a certain way. 
You don't know who's going to end up in that seven spot. That's not an easy game for the Warriors, who are most likely going to end up and stay in the two. I was hoping Utah would be an eight. That's a, I want to see the upset. Houston versus, Houston versus Utah might be an interesting, interesting matchup. Yeah, but to me, it's way more interesting against Golden State because they've proven all year they can beat Golden State. And if I'm not mistaken, they have beaten Golden State with everybody in the lineup once this year and every year. Let's be serious. At least the last three. And I know Gordon Hayward was on it in the last two prior to this one. Either way, Utah's always played Golden State hard. Without Steph Curry, without Klay Thompson, I think KD is going to play the first round. I think it's going to be Thompson out and Steph out. Thompson did shoot around today. I was watching the video. Although it did kind of look like he said he was only using four of his fingers instead of all five. So that I don't know how, how close that means he actually is to coming back to gameplay. But either way. With Thompson out, with Steph out, I think Utah could be a viable upset option against the Warriors, but so could the Timberwolves. That's a good team. That's that 7-8 seed is going to be interesting. You know, I'm hoping, hoping Golden State can ride it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. We want to see that. We want, inevitably, you want to see Houston-Golden State, but I wouldn't mind seeing Houston get shown the door in the first round. It could go south for Golden State quickly. And you always say, what's you say about the fourth year championship run? No bueno? That's the one that goes south. It's just, you, you have three, look at the Seattle Seahawks. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. It just, you have, you have three really good years. But you have to look at the amount of energy spent on the body of these athletes. They might be the most elite athletes in the world, and I think you said it once. LeBron James has played something like three extra seasons on his body or something crazy like that because he's played so many postseason games. That's a lot on your body. Steph Curry has always had some injury issues. He's always had problems with his ankles and with his knees. This has been his career. KD has had injury issues. The Thunder had to go through a playoffs without KD because he was injured. They also had to go through a playoffs without Russell because he was injured too and KD carried the team. That's why I think eventually they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. But with the amount of injuries you're seeing, that's why I feel like the fourth year is always the drop-off because that is 25 extra games on each one of those guys' body. And let's be serious. KD does play hard. Steph plays hard. Draymond plays hard. When they're in the lineup, that's the one team I feel like never takes a night off. If they're in the lineup, if they're in uniform, those dudes play hard, and they play D. They play D hard. That That's going to happen. They always say when you come back from an injury, you, you tend to overcompensate for that injury when you happen to do something else. Whereas I think what happened with Steph was just kind of unlucky because you saw him kind of hustling for a rebound, and, and the big man, JaVale McGee, fell on his and rolled up on his knee, and that's where he got the, the grade 2 MCL sprain. So you know, it wasn't like like he just tweaked the knee because he was favoring his ankle, which is maybe a good thing, bad thing, because yeah, you're right. Steph's been hurt a lot. You know, he's for 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 a little guy who runs around a lot, it doesn't take that that much contact. You know, he's kind of on the on the injury log a, a lot more than he probably should be, which kind of scares you. But the other thing that scares me is that Clay is also with him on the injury sidelines. That means two of their three lethal weapons are on the bench. And listen, Swaggy P is, is a viable back backup option. They have a rookie right now that's becoming a viable also backup option. But I don't care what their names are or who they are, they're not Steph and KD and Klay Thompson. They're just not. 
So anytime I lose one of them, it's just a whole new ball game. No, you're right. You can't you can't expect to go into any kind of seven game series without your top guns and expect to win. Especially with the I mean Houston. I hope Houston just keeps winning and winning and rolling because eventually I feel like they're gonna hit a wall, and that 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 one or two that one or two game loss is probably you know may uh, shake them a little bit because CP3 hasn't played many games that many games under stretch here. I feel like he's got a little bit of a bum hamstring. And you know those injuries don't go away. Always with CP3. He's always hurt as well. And I just don't trust them enough right now because I haven't seen James Harden and CP3 do it late in the playoffs. We've talked about this a bunch of times. Everybody talks about this. But for me, and that's the same thing with the Toronto Raptors on the Eastern Conference side, you can win 60 games and 50 games all you want in the regular season, but what you do in June matters the most. I, I need to see you, or May, whatever month the NBA playoffs fine, finish, because they're forty-five, they're four months long. I anyway. believe it ends July 4th, Independence Day. Unbel- it's, it's unbelievable how long they are. Either way, you, you need to show me in the playoffs, but that's also why Golden State scares me, because their bench depth isn't that great, and they don't have that much experience coming off the bench. Give me a, give me a hot take on that 3-4. Portland jumping your OKC with that nice victory the other night. That was a crazy game. There was a little bit of heated pushing and shoving, which I feel like always happens when you play the Thunder because Melo always feels some type of way about something, and Russ is just going and you got nuts. That, you got that gorilla from Australia, yeah, Steven Adams. Steven Adams. He, he loves a fight. I love him. Big he, Kiwi, bitch. Just drink a Foster's and go punch somebody in the face. I love him, man. Steven Adams, that's the jersey I need to get. Yes. That's the jersey because everyone else I choose leaves, although then he'll probably get traded next hit, year. Hit. Sarah. That's the jersey, Steven Adams. Either way, it's a good race right now. Portland's up right now on the Thunder. That was a big win. They're up two games on the Thunder right now. Both teams are playing really good basketball going into the playoffs, which gets me excited. I really do think the Thunder can make some noise. The only thing that scares me, and again, I've talked about this a few different times, is it's so bunched up in the West. So much can happen in the next five or six games to end this season that I, I really don't want to see them get just an unfavorable first-round matchup. Tell, and that's what scares me. Tell me, 3 through 10, still alive, right? But, yeah, they Is are. That, I mean, but separated by four, four games, right, at the most? Yeah, and the Clippers are in the 10 spot. They have 39 wins as opposed to the Timberwolves in the 8th spot who have 42. Gosh, and then three games split them in the middle, you have the Denver Nuggets with 40. Most, most teams have, what, 7, 8 games left? Yeah. If you're looking at the Clippers, they have nine games left, which is huge for them. They have nine left. The Nuggets have eight games left, and the Timberwolves have seven games left. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to come down. It's basically going to say, who, who wants to play Houston? I guess everyone's chopping up the bit now to play Golden State. Yeah, the they're injured. Yeah, which doesn't sit well for my bananas. And think about the, ooh. Bushels of bananas. You thought you bought green bananas. Well ripened bananas. Now well ripened now bananas. They're, now they're brownish, yellow, real, real brown. These things bananas. happen to all the kids out there. Time to make banana bread. To all the kids out there. I'm more excited though, Anthony, about the Eastern Conference race right now because your trust the process 
has been playing some really good basketball winners of seven in a row. Welcome back, Mr. Fultz. How about that? Mr. Can't find his jump shot. How about forgot, that? Forgot how to shoot a ball, Mr. Markel Fultz. 14 minutes, 10 points, 8 assists the other night, 5 of 13 from the field. That's not bad numbers in his first game back, which is only his fifth game ever in the NBA. Right. He's going to have these next week to really, I guess, show up, kind of get back in that basketball shape, work on that jump shot because for some reason he lost it. I think they're working on something. I don't know how you work on something. You know, he had a jump shot his whole life. Was it injury-related? I think they it was part it? of the injury mentally, though. He's left right? He's lefty. From what I understand, it was a me- kind of a mental-esque thing. Because think about it. The pressure of being a number one pick, you get injured after your fourth game, you were hoping to obviously come in and help this team become a playoff contender, and they've become a playoff contender without him. Now he wants to get into the fold, or the faults, uh, and try and help this team make a run in the playoffs. And I just think it as you're doing your rehab, you're a young kid, I just think it was something mentally. And I'd seen some video of it, and it looked ugly. And we've talked about it a little bit before. It looked ugly. But at the end of the day, he came in and was very efficient off the bench for them in the 14 short minutes that he played with 10 points and 8 assists. And I think right now, forget the jump shot, forget anything else. If he can deliver that every single day, the remainder of the season, and moving forward this team is going to be seriously dangerous to contend with in the playoffs. I think there may be a few veteran guys away. I don't think J.J. Redick can hold can pull that kind of uh, weight. You still take the LeBrons over everybody. Right, right. I mean, I think, there's two, I think there's two teams, especially with that Kyrie news, with his little bit of... Uh, Mic- it, surgery? What, what they call it? Microscopic? Uh, yeah, but it was like non... Non-invasive, non-invasive, something, something yes. like it's like minimal, like like yeah, okay. But any kind of surgery, they relieve the tension. I believe wire. it's six to eight weeks. They relieve the tension, right? Exactly. So with that news, uh, you got to give Boston credit. They won again last night, uh, beating up on their winners are four straight with that win. But I think it's Toronto and Cleveland that are going to meet head on in the Eastern Conference Finals. But you're right, Philly's going to be tough. But I'm almost of the mindset when a, a guy comes back from injury who hasn't played all year who's kind of a young player like that, who's not used to the NBA, not used to the playoff, uh, it, it, will he mess up that Philly? Because they, they won six. They're grooving. They won six in a row before that. Obviously, they won seven because they won last night. They're grooving. And Embiid seems to be the Hakeem Olajuwon light. Yeah. And they, they're, like you said, they're moving. He they're, sparks them, man. That Joel Embiid is so good. He is so good. And once he started coming back from the injury, started playing more minutes, and really started to be able to affect this team. Think about it. He only started playing back-to-backs around the All-Star break. And the way he had to start his career because of that injury and how, how careful they had to be. He only played his first... So think about how well they played after the All-Star break. Well, all of a sudden, you can have him be in your lineup more days. You can get more minutes out of him because now he's fully healthy to handle that. Think about how that helped jump them in the second half of the season. The question always becomes... No matter how well you're playing, when you don't have a lot of experience, can you have a group of young guys overcome that by simply just being confident enough to not care? I don't know if I... I can't trust the process in the playoffs because you haven't seen the process in the playoffs. You hope that MB brings this kind of... Obviously, you think he's going to bring this kind of intensity, maybe even more come playoff time. But that is a lot of wear and tear on the big man because this is his first, first full season, or at least... A, a number of 82-plus games, let's say, let's have you. But I can't I can't bet against the King. 
he owns the East. And as long as he's there, he's got four or five decent players around him, which he does now. I think everyone's coming back healthy. You know, we'll see what happens with, with Coach Lou. Uh, you know, Kevin Love's back in the fray now. That's kind of his go-to guy. Come down to stretch where he kind of, you know, he trusts Kevin Love to make that big jump shot. We've seen it time and time again. K-Love from the corner makes that three. We'll see what... It, it, I know Rodney Hood was hurt, but was that day-to-day? I think it was day-to-day. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that was day to day Cleveland's won five straight. Right. So, and he's... And, like and LeBron's a walking double, uh, triple-double. That bum only had eight assists the other night. Bum. Playing so Can good. Can he get two more? Come on. In his 15th year. Playing so that's, good. That's, he ages like a fine wine. Joel Embiid has played 62 games this year for the 76ers. Okay. Which, to him... Right now is, is his first full, se- full season. Because he's only played 93 in his career, including the 62 this year. And Joel Embiid went to college where? I don't know, Bob. Kansas. Oh, he right. Let's go, Jay. Was he one and done? Or no, he was there a few years. Trying Either to, way. Trying to date Rihanna. Kansas, Jayhawk, Joel Embiid leading the Sixers to the playoffs. You know what? I'm going to say it right now. If you can take LeBron... Team LeBron or the field in the Eastern Conference, I know you take Team LeBron. I take the field. Correct, Bob. I take the field. Man bet. Man bet. Hey, how about the 20 bananas I won, or excuse me. I won. You won on, I just wish I won. My team was so good. For our Frankie Franchise Construction NBA All-Star Matchup. Become a sponsor. First draft. Become a sponsor. Become a sponsor. Double A balls at gmail.com. How about we double up, make it 40 bananas? Double or, no, double or nothing. 40 bananas, and it is the field versus LeBron. Versus, versus Team LeBron. Versus LeBron. No, LeBron himself. LeBron himself. <laughs> I, I'll take that. I'll take LeBron himself. You will take Team LeBron, and I will take the field. Correct. To get to the championship. Get to the championship. To win the Eastern Conference. Write that down. Well, Written. it's recorded, so we, it's there. There. Boom. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Other than that, and you said it before, there's really... you. Re- that's why I, I take the field, though, because I think there's more than five... There's about five or six teams that can win it. But from the Western Conference side of things, it's two teams, and that's it for me. And I love OKC, and I want them to go all the way, but I just don't know if... They're going to have the firepower, and if Melo keeps missing buckets to win games late and keeps missing free throws to, excuse me, lose games late and misses free throws to lose games late, that stuff scares me. Is uh, Roberson, what's his deal? He's out for the season, right? Uh, yeah. Is he not coming back? I believe it was, if he does come back, it's probably late in the playoff run. So he's going to be MIA for you. Andrew, I want to ask you, my question Regarding this whole NBA talk, you always say, you know, can Houston bring it? Can Houston provide to you what is needed? You're talking about playing defense, and they're a top five defense all of a sudden under this wild Mike D'Antoni running gun, shoot it, shoot the threes under seven seconds. They have arguably the MVP, and clearly, you can. I mean, LeBron James is the best player on the on the globe, which is round, not flat, Kyrie. Um, FYI. But, I mean, just looking what James Harden does on a night-in, night-out basis, the man just performs. He just wins. He gets to the basket. He shoots at will. 
He'll put it, he'll shoot 30 feet out and drain it without breaking a sweat. He'll take you to the hole. He gets these ridiculous foul calls and gets to the line like 39 times a game. It's, I mean, the man is unstoppable. I haven't seen anybody able to guard him. That's the thing. He could, he has the ability to lead a team all the way through the playoffs. He has that ability. They showed a clip the other day of, I think it was, I forget who they were playing against. And they counted, I think it was four people at one point tried to guard him. And it was just like as simple of movement as it looked for him, for you and I, we're probably tearing an ACL by the time we get halfway through that. And one, two, three, four, see you later. And as he's going up for the, for the left-handed layup, you out five and it becomes five by the end of it of the defenders of the other team just staring at him. And you're saying to yourself, this man is so good. Literally, the other four players on this team doesn't matter right now. Everybody's eyes are focused on him. Somebody needs to build Sam Presti a statue. Seriously. Russell Westbrook. For that draft. Kevin Durantula and James the Beard Hodden. And I know everyone said it before, and you've said it to me before too. And I've said it. There's not enough basketballs on that team. Don't you wish you could have seen it for two more years? Two more years. That's all. I don't know if they win a title. I don't. I have no idea. But I, I just wish I could have seen it for two more years because at that point, James Harden was a little unknown. You knew he was good. The sixth man of the year. Everyone knew he could play, but he was unknown in the fast enough could he lead a team. You knew KD could lead a team. You knew Russ could lead a team. It was unknown if James could lead a team. You knew he could be a top 20 player in the league, but you didn't know if he could lead a team. And then he went to Houston, took the bull by the horns, and legitimately turned that city clocks back to the days of the Houston Rockets with Kareem, with Tracy McGrady when he came over there, with Yao Ming, when they used to go and contend year in and year out for the playoffs. That 94 Houston team that so broke, good. broke my Knicks heart. Old school, those old school Rockets uniforms when they were red, white, and blue, oh. I want to see some of those. I don't think, as an as a OKC fan, it's got to break your heart. Well, I have someone for you if things are breaking, and maybe we'll slide this over to Don LaGreca as well because I, I know he needs some fixing in his studio, and he is a Hawthorne guy, and we have Hawthorne glass for you. Have you been looking for somebody to fix that broken fence or that broken window from the storms we've been having? Have you been looking for somebody to fix that shower door after you stepped out of it on Saturday night while you were pre-gaming before you went out and you slipped and broke it? Hey, how, that happens. How about that mirror while you were putting your makeup on and you tripped and fell or doing your hair trying to look good? Hey, those things happen. If they do, call Hawthorne Glass. Angelo has been in the glass industry for over 30 years Three decades plus, ladies and gentlemen, call him, 973-427-4344. He will not judge you for how it broke, but he will make sure he helps you fix what broke and use promo code AAAballs to receive an additional 10% off of your first purchase. Hawthorne Glass, our man Angelo, he's our guy. And you know what that means, Mr. Rinaldi. It's time for our favorite segment, 
What do you got? What do you got? I think I actually got one last week. You did get one. That was, I picked a, quite the game, quite the matchup. Our and wonderful Loyola Chicago Ramblers coming through for me. And because you picked that victory for Loyola Chicago over Kansas State, who they, for lack of better words, whooped up on, you get the point in the game because I chose the Villanova West Virginia game, and although it was a very good game until Villanova pulled away a little bit late, at the end of the day, it goes to you and Loyola. So that brings us to 10 to 9 Romanella and 9 to 10 Rinaldi. And the performer pick, both Anthony and I decided average. Average picks, we're going to call it a wash. Only fair, only fair. Only fair. Anthony's pick had Clayton Clayton Custard. Custard had, I believe, 15 points. My man had a nice assist, though. Three rebounds, last four assists. three to really seal it for the Ramblers. So I, I was excited for that. And my pick of Mikhail Bridges had, I believe, 16 Makes points. Makes the big point. Makes the big shots. Make, yeah. He didn't play. A few assists. Well, yeah, he played well. Rebounds. He played well, but you know both, what? Both played well. Right. So I, that's why we figured we couldn't. We each could take a point there. Split it down. Or we could have if you want. We could have, but you could have given it to Andrew because you had one point more. Whatever, but I mean, whatever. Come on, stop giving things to Andrew. We'll split it. He's the host. What is that? 10 to 9, 9 to 8, Romanella in the lead. We have a different what do you got coming your way this week, Anthony. So I'm going to ask you something different. I'm going to ask you not what a you got. But what do we got? What do we got? I think you said it earlier, Mr. I'm going to talk about and brag about my bracket. I know you didn't have Loyola Chicago in your final four, you cheating. I did SOB. not. SOB. Had but, them winning the first round, though. But I know, yeah, I did as well. The only game I probably got right the whole time bracket. We have a classic four-team scenario here where you have two teams that are on different sides of the bracket, still alive, championship still alive. You have... The Bum Squad from Ann Arbor versus Kansas, I believe, in your championship matchup. I do. And I want to take <laughs> Nova <laughs> and the fighting sister Jean Delore Schmitz. Any relationship to Sarah, by the way? No. Can we get her on the podcast? We should try, though. We should try. Work that Schmidt angle. We should try. I want, let's, let's do that, Andrew. For our What Do You Got segment, head to head. Mono a mono. Straight up. Straight up, because I need to gain at least another point on you. Get ready. Get us get us back to even for baseball season, or maybe even one ahead of you, because you know we got that coming up shortly. What do you got? All right. You got a straight up duel. What do you got? Loyola Chicago. Mine. And Villanova. Mine. Versus University of Michigan. Boo. And the Kansas Jayhawks. Boo. Formerly the Joel Embiid's. Let's roll. I'm excited. Mono e mono. We'll see who gets to crack their way into the final game. Just like a reminder that this segment is brought to you by Hawthorne Glass. And if you have anything cracked, call your way to Hawthorne Glass at 973-427-4344. That is what you got. It's our favorite segment. But it does not mean we're done today because there's one more topic you came in excited to talk about, although your New York Yankees may have lost a big clog in their lineup this year. I came in excited, Mr. I'm always excited. Coach Baseball Guru. I'm always excited. That's true. You always bring it. 
extraordinarily awkward amount of energy to the podcast world. Greg Bird went down. I think they're going to say six to eight weeks. I know it's not Giancarlo and Aaron Judge, but that's big. I think he's got the Fred, the Fred Flintstone foot injury. Uh, too much. But it's recurring. That's the problem with a foot injury, Andrew. And you know what? Last year at first base, the Yankees really didn't have an answer. And that was kind of one thing that I felt always held us back a little bit, even though we were one game away from the World Series. That first base position was just a constant rotation of mediocrity. And frankly, I don't even care, like, like you just mentioned, it's not one of our big-name guys. For, so for power-wise, it's disappointing because you know Bird's going to provide that pop, that lefty pop. But I think I'm going to miss his defensive presence because you know he was like almost like a Mark, not as good as Mark Teixeira defensively, but Bird played a solid first base. And you'll notice, yeah, we signed Neil Walker for one year. He can play that second, that first base position, and I believe he's going to play a few games, uh, the remaining few games before they start on Thursday. And he may get some burn at first base, Neil Walker. But, I mean, how many scoop ground balls are going to, are going to be missed now? How many errors at first base may happen now? Because Greg Bird isn't there. I don't know. And the other option there, besides Neil Walker, is the 26-year-old Tyler Austin, who was in Double A AA and Triple A with the Yankees last year. He has had a sample size in big league baseball, which excites you. He's had 51 games over the course of the last two seasons with the New York Yankees. He's hit 236 in that time with seven home runs, and has had an OPS of 741. So he's showed that he can handle. I say that lightly. The stick at the major league level, but again, only 26, small sample size in 51 games. Does have seven bombs in those 51 games, which is something that you love to see, especially as a New York Yankee and a first baseman, which is a power position in any baseball organization, but specifically in New York because of that short porch. So that is going to be interesting, but I think if you're the Yankees, and I don't want to say there's a right guy to lose to injury, but I think that's the right guy to lose to injury. I think you couldn't lose Giancarlo. You, can, you can't lose Aaron Judge. You can't lose Didi Gregorius. You can't lose Gary Sanchez. And I know you could say that for any team, but the New York Yankees are so strong in, in three categories. They're very strong offensively. They're very strong in their bullpen. And I think, personally, this year they're going to be very strong defensively. Yeah, and every you can almost go to – you can think of every sport – and if you're solid up the middle, you're good. That's typically a recipe for goods for success. Yeah, we recruit catchers, shortstops, and center fielders. Every center fielder should be able to play left and right. Every shortstop should be able to play second base and third base. Every catcher should be able to potentially be a third baseman or a first baseman, or in some aspects also some of those positions a pitcher. And you saw last year Aaron Hicks out in center field crushing the defense, yep. robbing home runs. Yep. Didi Gregorius. Huge. I mean, that single-handedly, Brian Cashman signing Didi Gregorius, the, after a legend retired, this dude seemingly just fit that position. That took on that role. He knew he wasn't Derek Jeter, but he has filled that shortstop role. I don't want to say, like, 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 like Derek never left, but, I mean, the dude has smooth a cannon transition. Oh, unbelievably smooth. Like, you, couldn't even, you couldn't write a better script. No, you couldn't. You couldn't ask for anything better because he wasn't really succeeding in Arizona when he got it traded. This was a second chance trade for D.D. Gregorius. He was supposed to be the shortstop of the future for Arizona. He showed glimmers. Arizona traded him away at a pretty good value, which is what the Yankees took when Jeter was leaving. And 
as smooth of a tra- transition as you could ever ask for. Dude has a cannon, plays defense, has a stick. He's good. He's hit he, for power. He'll produce in this lineup with this. He can run because you know because you know there's a lot of people out there who put. He'll be hitting fifth or sixth. They, he was hitting fourth for them last year. They put year. these rosters out there. His potential. I have a potential Yankee roster. Just, just. Let's see if I agree with this. See if you agree with this. Obviously, it's going to be a little different now, especially with bird news. We'll have Judge leadoff. Why not? Right field. Reckless. John Carlos Stanton. This is the opening day lineup for you. John Carlo in the two hole. DH. Gary Sanchez behind the plate, batting three. We'll have DDH short at four. Hixie at five in center field. Drury at third base in the six hole. Walker in the second base seven hole, Tyler Austin, and Brett Gardner in left field. Tell me you don't want to play for the New York Yankees right now, Andrew Romanello. So good. They're going to be And your so boy, Luis Severino, on the mound. 337 Thursday. We're amped up. Baseball is here, Andrew. Throw a baseball right at my face right now. How do you feel about this whole Aaron Judge leadoff thing just because they're facing a lefty? I believe it's J.A. Happ starting for the Toronto Blue Jays in game one. What happened to Stroman? Is he injured or did he get traded? No, he's not injured. No, really? They're starting Jay. Really? Over at Stroman? As of right now? Stroman will be a Yankee. That is that is the probables for this Thursday's opening day matchup between the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. There was a lot of talk about could, what what was the premise of starting or putting Aaron Judge in the one hole. That's because they're facing a lefty. I Listen, Aaron Boone wanted to do this. This is Aaron Boone's call. Hey. He ran it past his analytics guys. He said, hey, run this run this metric. Because Aaron Judge, let me go on a little tangent here. I heard on the radio Thursdays on ESPN Radio. Shout out our favorite radio station, ESPN. Mark Teixeira talks about it all the time. He'd rather have a guy with a high, with a high on-base percentage rather than a guy with a high average. Yes. He preferred that guy. Well, I would say prefer, but he, he, he said, he goes, I want a guy who walks and gets on base. And Aaron Judge did that last year. Yeah, he strikes out a lot, but he also takes a lot of pitches, and he walks a lot. Yeah, the, the multiple home run, the whole, multiple people on base home runs are nice, but Aaron Judge is going to, A, you're going to get on base for you, he's going to work the count, and he's got a little bit of a motor, he's not going to steal you all those bases, but he, he won't be a clog leading off. No, he won't be a clog speed-wise when you're expecting your leadoff guy to be able to go out and create some havoc on the bases. So whether that's going first, going first to third on a single, stealing on a base, seeing a pass ball, seeing a ball in the dirt, and be able to take the extra bag. And I forgot who brought the stat up, but pitchers apparently struggle. A lot of major league pitchers, for some reason, struggle in the first inning, whether it's command. Aaron Judge may see you know, a fastball or two groove just because the pitcher's trying to find the location. But you, and then even if you walk Aaron Judge, you got John Carlo right behind him. But that's early, though. Early on in the year... This is what I think happens if he stays as the leadoff. Now, I don't think he's going to. Do I think they do it a few times? Sure. I think with the Bird injury, you may want to start Gardner. You may want to shift the order a little bit, but if yes. Bird comes back, I could see Aaron Judge leading off. Well, what's the line on Bird? Six to eight weeks? Six to eight weeks. Okay. Which but that's, that's like going to be a nagging foot in your right. Two months. Every Two months come back. <laughs> Six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks, and then you know, come see your doctor again. But I do agree with you that the right decision now that Bird is hurt is to put Gardner back in the top seed. This is how I'd probably go. I would go Gardner 1, Judge 2, Didi 3, Giancarlo 4, Hick, uh, Sanchez 5, Hicks 6, and then Neil Walker 7. Jewelry. 
Drury, eight, and whoever else you want. Tyler nine. Austin, nine. Tyler Austin, nine. Or do you? Or do you put Tyler Austin seven? You put Neil Walker eight, and you put Drury nine. You can go left to right. It depends. I right. Believe, I believe somebody's got to switch and, and you can you can have also. See, to me personally, and I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. As a baseball coach and as a head coach, writing lineups, I do not care about going lefty, 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 righty, lefty, righty, lefty. Doesn't matter to me. My my thought is I need to put a guy in a spot in the lineup to succeed. If he's a lefty or a righty, it doesn't matter. If I feel like he's going to succeed in the four hole, he's going there. If he's going to succeed in the seven hole, he's going there. And I could care less if my whole if I had nine lefties facing a left-handed pitcher, I don't care because if I believe that's the best lineup for us to play that day, I'm putting it out there. But that's how I'd go if I was the Yankees. Because I just think that Gary Sanchez, I think you, last year when we saw him struggle in the first two months, and he obviously got injured and was out for a month or two. We saw him struggle in the first two months. I put him in the five hole. A little bit less pressure. You're hitting after Giancarlo Stanton. I think that DD can handle the three hole. That's a imagine that, like Dieter Gregorius. You almost flipped those two. Like you're thinking DD should be a two hitter and Aaron Judge should be the three-hitter. But with the way the Yankees are trying to do this analytics thing and get Judge up as many times as possible, you do want to keep him in at least the two spot, and that's where I think it fits the best. That was a a great little point there because I think someone did the the math on it already. And I want to say if he batted in the leadoff all season, he may potentially get 40 to 60 more at-bats. Yes. Which is a chance for, what do you think, 10 more home runs? Then that's the idea. And even if it's not 10 more home runs, you made a point before. He gets on base a lot. It's it's 40 to 60 more times. Now, Michael K made the point, what is the two-hole? Maybe 20 to 40 more at-bats? 25 to 50 more at-bats? Is it really that big of a difference when you have a natural leadoff hitter in Brett Gardner who 41% of the time last year got on from the leadoff spot? 44% of the time Aaron Judge did, 41% of the time from the leadoff spot leading off the game, specifically Brett Gardner got on base. I remember a lot of those playoff games. He just battles. That little that little nugget just, he just rips foul balls and takes pitches. And you want 10, 11 pitches. 10-11 pitches for a relief pitcher, that's like almost, that's basically the inning. He's you done. want that guy, especially as your leadoff guy, because he's able to show the pitches that the starter has early. And now everybody else behind him in the lineup is able to get an idea of what this guy has and how he's going to be trying to get them out moving forward. The Yankees, the Yankees are set. They had a great article re- recently about their dynasty is even 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 down in the in the, in the minors. Their farm system is so deadly. They have so many players coming up that you, you have no idea what to do with them, Andrew. They're going to split time. I heard Gliber Torres 50-50. A lot of reps at shortstop. A lot of reps at second base. I think it's obviously a smart move. Get him as many at-bats as you can. Obviously, him and Andujar probably could play at the MLB level. And you would notice most teams would probably bring up those young players. But I feel like the Yankees kind of not take their time with their young their young athletes, and they kind of groom them. But they kind of go with the way of these older veterans. And you see the older some of these teams that are trying to make these, these late pushes. You mentioned it earlier, the San Francisco Giants, with their signings of McCutcheon and, and Longoria. Terrible injury. Bumgarner. I know, six to eight weeks. I was looking I was looking for uh, that matchup, Kershaw versus Bumgarner. I know. But unfortunately, that's going to be shown. Is it the worst thing in the world, though? And I wanted to talk about that injury. Is it the worst thing in the world for your best arm to not throw for two months? Because it's, it's not a pitching injury. He broke a pinky. 
On his pitching hand, though. On his pitching hand, which stinks. That's grip. That's got to be grip. You're a coach. Tell me, grip. Yes, that's coach. absolutely grip. Absolutely grip. And the problem, too, is these guys throw with so much torque and so much velocity, a lot of their fingers will get ripped up a little bit, too, from the seams. So you also don't want to be dealing with that issue Blisters. as well. Right. So they're going to let that fully heal. There's no need to rush them back. But is that too long for them to get too far behind in the that's, race? That's exactly what we heard this morning. Uh, Buster Olney said it. He was like... For some reason, the scheduling, the, out of the, those, that six to eight weeks where he's out, they played the Dodgers ten times. Yeah. Out of, and I think in 28 or 23 games. This is how it worked out this year. Which Bumgarner probably would have started three of those games. Yep. So, yeah, I think this is actually a big injury. Shout out my fantasy league. Traded Bumgarner. Thank the Lord. Smart. Traded him before the draft. So you can take the bananas that you might not be taking ripened from the Golden State Warriors mm. and hopefully recoup them. With your fantasy baseball squad. Got Kershaw still. Kershaw go. He's the man. Always. And uh, and the Dodgers are always in the mix because Clayton Kershaw. And the NL West is so good this year. Let's talk about the Yankee crosstown team from Queens. Let's they set go their rotation, Mets. I believe. Let's go Mets. I love the New York Metropolitans, and I like what's happening. They optioned Zach Wheeler to the minor leagues. He had an 8-10 ERA, Anthony, this year in spring training. That, to me, is absolutely the sign. Noah Syndergaard, obviously, is your number one. Jacob deGrom. Then Steven Matz. DeGrominator. Is number three. Matt Harvey, four. Jason Vargas, five for the Metropolitans. Or you might have a combination of... I thought I I saw Seth Seth Lugo. That's because you just read my mind. You have a combination of Seth Lugo... Not really Robert Gazelman. He's probably going to be a bullpen guy. But Seth Lugo, because Vargas is hurt right let me Let me throw in a quick little tangent here. Since you're an old-school baseball kind of guy, I heard there may be some talks about a six-man rotation. Well, some teams may think about that yes. this year. The Angels, the Mets, and the Rangers, I believe, have been linked to a little story about a six-man rotation. What are your thoughts on having a six-man rotation? You heard, who was it, complaining? Cole Hamels? I... I don't mind it because so much is about conserving these guys' arms now. And that's also, I believe, part of why Major League Baseball wanted to move the World Series up now because you don't want these guys who have already played a six-month season throwing in 40-degree weather as hard as they possibly can late in the season. You need these guys fresher. They are why we're watching the game. I mean, they are the attraction and when Noah Syndergaard's out for five months or Steve, uh, Steven Strasburg can't throw in the playoffs because he's coming off of Tommy John or Matt Harvey screws his career up for two and a half years because he threw too much in the season after coming off of Tommy John, it almost you're looking at it saying it almost just makes sense because we're so worried about these guys' arms. Why doesn't this just become a normal practice in baseball where even if it's not a six-man rotation, but every five starts, you get the sixth one off. And you get an extra 10 to 14 days. Listen, I get the repetition of it. I get how you get ready as a starter compared to how you get ready as a reliever. is two completely different worlds. So when you're on a regimen of of four days off, the fifth day you're throwing and it gets consistent, that's great. But at the end of the day, you're a professional. If I give you an extra five days off and you take 10 days off, there should really be no change to what you're doing. What's the difference? That's my feeling on it. There's a lot of golf to be played for those pitchers in between starts. Scary. You know your boy Uwainer Cespedes loves to golf. Not anymore. He hasn't played a round of golf since midsummer. He said it. That's what he tells you. After all the issues. But six-man rotation nonsense. 
How about the Tampa Bay Rays, I read, are going to go to a four-man rotation. Crazy. On the fifth ro- fifth rotation being a, bu- a straight-up bullpen. Bullpen day. Just straight-up get the bullpen arms out. Yes. That that seems to me like someone's trying to think outside the box a little too hard. Someone's been drinking that. I think apparently Joe Madden left the Kool-Aid still in the cooler over there at Tampa Bay with that, with that nonsense. It's outside the box, but only slightly. And here's why it's only slightly outside the box. They're going to suck anyway, though. We, we do this all the time. We play... A four-game conference weekend, single Friday, nine innings, doubleheader on Saturday, single, nine innings Sunday, okay? We then probably usually play a midweek series, maybe one, maybe two games on Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is, and we'll, we'll go bullpen day. We'll go one guy that's a pseudo starter that we know can give us a little bit of length and maybe just straight up one or two innings, one or two innings, one or two innings. Because we have so many guys in our, on our staff that we can do that. So is it outside the box for Major League Baseball? Yes. Was it? Is it that far outside the box in terms of the baseball world? No. Because at the high school and the college level, but specifically the college level, you'll see a lot of midweek bullpen days because of the you really only have four starters. And really, at the end of the day, most of your season is based upon how well you do in your conference play. You see it in all the MLB rosters. They stack the bullpen. I feel like they always throw extra arms in the bullpen. You're in the day and age where you only need five innings out of a starter. I haven't. Oh, you were just set him up. I'll knock him down. You just gave me the segue of the year, Andrew. Look at this nugget. From 2010 to 2017, it's a seven-year window. My math. Actually, eight, I guess, if you count by years, right? In 2010, 67.1% was a percentage of innings thrown. By starting pitchers. Now, in 27, or last year's 2017, 61.9% percentage of, in, of starter pitchers innings thrown. It's huge drop. That is a decrease of 5.2%. It's huge. Year of the reliever. And I think. 2018. Terry Francona and Andrew Miller have been at the forefront of this. And Joe Girardi was too, because he used Andrew Miller a little bit in some weird roles as well, where he wasn't really just a setup guy or a closer. He came in in the fourth, came in in the seventh. He's mine. He's, he's your I need three outs guy. That's yes, what he is. That's it. You need the three biggest outs of the game, Andrew Miller. Wherever those outs are, you're going to get them. And that started changing the wave in baseball. And yeah, we have one of our best bullpen guys and right now at the college level who we feel the most comfortable bringing in from the fourth to the seventh inning. Not because he can't get the 8th and the ninth inning outs, but because we realize how important when your starter doesn't go 5 innings or 6 innings, how important it is to stop the bleeding as to the reason why your starter is being taken out of the game so early because he's probably getting shelled or doesn't have any command. So you need that stopper, and oftentimes your best guy is the stopper. That's why you put him at the end of the game to finish the game well, we see the value in that kid being in the fourth through seventh inning, and that ends up actually working out and has been a real trend in baseball right now. You said it earlier. Fangraphs provided me a little number, a little nugget, and said the Yankees are by far the best bullpen. Oh, yeah. I have that going for oh, us. Oh, yeah. I just want to quickly run through the Yankees' starting rotation. I know we mentioned that team from Queens, who I don't like to mention by actual name. Let's go Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and beat the Mets. Hey, oh, greet the Mets. Louis Severino's going to start us off. We got Tanaka, CC, Sonny Gray, and then my boy Kyle, uh, Jordan Montgomery p- picking up the five seed. And we'll see Chance Adams sooner than later. He just got to figure it out there in AAA. 
And of course, like I told you, I think in episode the Ocho, maybe even nine, Yankees by by June are going to be shopping for. Uh, yes, they'll be shopping for a, a starting. They'll pitcher. be buyers. We have way line. too much, and I say we because obviously I'm part of the team. Yeah, absolutely, it's your fanhood. We have way too much talent in AAA. To, we're actually overloaded. Sad. We have too much. I hate to brag, but I'm going to brag because, like I said, we're going to go one sixty-two and zero with the bird injury. I'll say we'll go one sixty and two. I'll, I'll give two losses. I heard a joke the other day that was like, if the Mets and Yankees wanted to make a trade, and it hurt me a little bit, but it was pretty funny. The Mets and Yankees would want to make a trade when whoever came over from the Mets came to the Yankees, which minor league system would they be involved in? <laughs> so it was like, all right, so the Yankees are stacked. Yeah. If they were to make a trade with the Mets for a position player, starters taken out of the conversation, for a position player, when they got traded over... Would they be able to be a bench guy on the major league roster, or would they just go straight to the minor leagues? Double it. And I think besides Rosario, maybe, and Conforto and Cespedes, yeah. What's and the Jay what Bruce, is the Mets star? What's the, I had to shout out Jay Bruce. He's on my squad. Cl- Fantasy Frazier, maybe. Other than that, I'm <laughs> sending Travis Darno home. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Please. I'm no sending. Thanks. I'm probably sending Dom Smith. I don't care. Oh, well, do, do the I don't need Jose Reyes, but either way, it was pretty funny. Last year, all six preseason favorites basically won the division. Yeah. Four of which straight up runaways. Balled out. Obviously, Yankees Red Sox was a, was a tight matchup down the down the down the run, and you know everyone's talking about Houston and Yankees. I feel like everyone forgets about Boston. Yeah. And they did win the AL East last year. That's what scares me about Boston this year is they're the unknown, and I've said this to you so many times. I want to be the underdog especially with the talent they have on their roster. I want to be the underdog from the Boston Red Sox. That team is stacked. But it's the same conversation we have in the NBA. Same conversation with the Houston Rockets, the Toronto Raptors. Especially with who's kind of considered their ace. Maybe not that much anymore, but David Price. If they want to be very good, their starting pitcher needs to be consi- starting pitching needs to be consistent. Everyone knows that. That's baseball, right? Mm. We just said it. Five innings. Get me five. Get to the pen. Their pen is okay. It is not doesn't great. Doesn't scare me. Doesn't, doesn't scare, scare you. So their you starters want to get to their pen. need to get to the six. Chris Sale scares days. me. He's the only one that scares me. Chris Sale, David Price. David doesn't scare me. Yankees, that's the thing. Yankees tattooed David Price. But that's my point. Even all the way back in Tampa days. Yes. So if you want to make it out of the AL East this year, David Price has to step up. It can't only be Chris Sale leading that leading that staff. Give me some, you, you talked about him, some kind of, not some say sleeper picks, but what are some squads you think have a chance to do a little damage besides your, your heavy hitters. Like All I right, so we're going to take the Red Sox, the Yankees out of it. We're going to take the Indians out of it. We're going to take the Astros out of it. We're going to take the Washington Nationals out of it. We're going to take the Cubs out of it. Dodgers? We'll take the Dodgers out of it, and that's it. So we'll take those seven teams out, okay? Right. Which we all know, everyone out there that watches baseball knows, those seven teams are legit playoff and championship contenders. Okay, great. I will give you two. Well, Nationals will always blow it. They blow. I love it. I will give you two that I am looking at. I got a few. Go ahead. Okay. The Milwaukee Brewers. Boo. Made some moves. Christian Yelich being a big one for them. I love that move. The Milwaukee Brewers. One. No pitching. And two. The Colorado Rockies. In the NL West. That is a tough division 
but that is a very good baseball team. You could also say the Arizona Diamondbacks. We already talked about the Giants. I gave you that one last week. I had those two, yes. And the Seattle Mariners. I mean, there's a they're, lot. They're too banged. The up. Angels, Detroit. Mariners are banged. Up. And are, is their starting rotation even good enough? I like that last one. You said. Say it again. Say it again. Tell me. Is their starting rotation even good no, enough? No, 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 no. What was that last team you mentioned before I rudely interrupted you? You said it before. You thought it was could be a playoff team. The Angels. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Tell me again. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Mike Trout. Who was it? Oh, is this the year? Buster only said this is the best version of Mike Trout, which is kind of scary. Which is very scary. He struck out, I believe it was one time in spring training. First time, was, at bats. first time was like Wednesday. He struck 45 out. at bats in I, spring shout training. Shout out, he's on my squad as well. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, it is going to be a wild and wacky um, MLB. I'm excited for it to get started. Thursday. Mets open up at 110. They play the Cardinals. Yankees 337 at Toronto. I am pumped. I'm excited. Baseball season it's just it's just so much fun. It's gonna be fantastic out there. We're gonna remind you if you got a favorite ball club, you got something you want us to talk about on the podcast, you want to get in on the debate, whatever it is, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Social media blue. Double A balls on both. Visit the website dwabpodcast.com. Get your double A balls apparel from powerarmperformance.com, our sponsor for the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your friends, download, subscribe, get us the clicks, the likes. Tell your friends, and that is it. I am Andrew Romanella. Alongside me is always the Little League All-Star on the Hill, Anthony Rinaldi. Peace out. This is the Double A Balls Podcast, and we are out. This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit www.powerarmperformance.com to get your apparel and start training like the pros today.